Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by guest analyst Oluwashina Okaleji in Lagos, Nigeria and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about the comments made by FIFA president Gianni Infantino, who has proposed that the Africa Cup of Nations be held every four years instead of every two years. Is this FIFA interference in African football? Does the idea make sense? Also, with the 2020 Futsal Africa Cup of Nations ending in Morocco, we go to Morocco and find out more about the five-a-side tournament. Ilayu, let me tell you that the facilities were world-class towards hosting a successful uh, tournament. More on that later, and as Mbwana Samata became the first Tanzanian to play in the English Premier League, Stuart takes a look at the African representation there over the years. So, Oluwashina Okaleji in Lagos is our guest analyst on the show again this week. Uh, greetings, Sheena, and first of all, I guess there's plenty of excitement there in Lagos with Super Eagles striker Odion Igalo joining Manchester United from Shanghai Shenhua in China on loan up to the end of the season. I think Odion Jude Igalo won the January transfer window. If there's any award for that, he picked it up, and um, Nigerians were surprised by this. No one saw this coming. Um, at age 30, playing his football in China, he had been f- completely forgotten because he retired from international football. And for him to make such a huge splash, I think is a further testament to a tweet he posted on Twitter back in December where he said, favor over labor. A lot of people criticized him for that, but here's someone who's left the slums of Ajegunle, played in Norway, played in Italy, Spain, England, and now returning to England with Manchester United, a team he's always supported as a kid alongside his family and it's come as a surprise but not to Odion Igalo. He's taken a pay cut, he's turned down another Premier League team and a big manager in Jose Mourinho. He will go to Old Trafford without any form of pressure. He has nothing to prove to anyone and this is also a testament to the fact that Odion Igalo always believed in himself, shaped by the Bible and the scriptures. I think this is one move that a lot of people back home in Nigeria are now saying, truly, is a child of destiny. Well, really, is quite a story, isn't it? And uh, well done to Odion Igalu, fulfilling his childhood dream of playing for Manchester United. Uh, so lots to talk about on the show this week. The big talking point, the comments made by FIFA president Gianni Infantino, who has proposed to the Confederation of African Football that the Africa Cup of Nations be held every four years instead of two. Now, Infantino was speaking at a CAF seminar in Morocco, focusing on the development of football competitions and infrastructure in Africa. His reasons for suggesting having the Nations Cup every four years is that the tournament generates only 5% of the revenue of the European Championship. So, um, what do you make of his idea, Sheena? Well, I'm not surprised by the words of Gianni Infantino. Um, The FIFA president has always made it clear that... um, is here to change the face of African football because he was invited. He was a guest that was brought in to come and uh, fix a home that was crumbling. And now he's left them with a parting gift of saying, look, your showpiece event is not good enough to generate enough funds, so you have to make it a four-year cycle. This tournament has been played since 1968 every two years. So somebody woke up in 2020 and said, this is what you need to do. I think it's a shame. I think this is a further indictment on the executive committee of CAF those who um, were voted in to run the affairs of the continent's football, 
um, not knowing exactly what to do because anytime FIFA makes a suggestion, remember it's always been approved. Will this one go the same way? I think it will be a big, big um, scandalous decision in my opinion because a lot of countries in Africa depend on Afghan qualifiers. They depend on playing, you know, friendly games and preparing and using this Afghan as well to improve facilities on the continent. Even if he had or wanted to make a suggestion, I don't think that's the way to go about it. It's like saying everything, your tradition is not good enough. You have to fix it. And I think this is a collective um, failure on the part of those who brought in FIFA. A form of takeover in many people's words. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, someone has proposed an Eurocentric solution to African problem, whereas African solution should be for African problems. Well, I don't think Africa lacks people of knowledge, you know, people who can drive the game forward. And it's unfortunate because no one should be telling you what to do and how to run your affairs. They've not done that in Asia. They've not done that in South America, North America or anywhere else in the world. They wouldn't try it in Europe. It's a shame on those who believe that um, the African solution should always be an European one. And I think this is pandering to Europe. And I think it's a big shame once again. Yeah, well, we're asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. What do you think about having the Africa Cup of Nations staged every four years? Uh, Sheena has some very strong views, and many share those opinions too, that the interference from FIFA is just getting too much uh, in African football. On the other hand, uh, does it make better business sense to hold the Nations Cup every four years instead of every two years? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three. Three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think about FIFA suggesting that the Africa Cup of Nations should be held every four years? Now, there are lots of other notable points coming from this CAF seminar in Morocco. Infantino unveiled a joint FIFA-CAF strategy focused on three key areas. That's refereeing, infrastructure and competitions. There would be 20 professional referees in Africa, financed and organised by FIFA in partnership with CAF to officiate the big games. Infantino reiterated the plan to generate a billion dollars of investment to build one stadium in every African country and a new African club competition competition with 20 permanent member clubs who would each contribute $20 million per year for five years. It's not clear at all how this would work, but other teams would qualify and join the 20 permanent member clubs. Well, Jalal Bonoir is based in Morocco. He was at the CAF seminar. Uh, Jalal, thanks for joining us. So how much enthusiasm was there for this new club competition that was proposed? In fact, we were all surprised at the seminar organised here in Rabat. This means that this new competition will replace the current CAF Champions League. This is, was also one of the important questions uh, FIFA President Mr. Infantino answered by referring to how much the current Champions League competition generates and also how many people watch it. That was his justification for why there must be a big and a new Pan-African competition. So the suggestion is that 20 permanent member clubs will contribute $20 million a year to be in the competition. Uh, most of the clubs that could afford that would be North African. Certainly here in Zimbabwe, it's totally out of the question. Uh, but even in North Africa, which clubs might be able to afford this, Jalal? The same situation here in North Africa, uh, maybe with the exception of Egyptian giants, Al-Ahli 
and also Zamalek, maybe also experience in Tunisia. But here in Morocco, even with that Casablanca and Raja Casablanca can't afford it. Unless maybe there is a direct uh, financial support given by the uh, Moroccan Football Federation. Uh, in short, in Africa, we haven't reached that level of sport management that makes a football club an independent body, financially speaking. Uh, I spoke to many football associations uh, representatives during the seminar, at the end of the seminar, and majority of them, if not all of them, they don't think that this idea is applicable uh, in the near future. Yeah, I wonder if this uh, idea can get off the ground. OK, Jalal, stay with us. Let's have a quick word about the CAF Champions League, the quarter-final draw made on Wednesday with four blockbuster ties lined up. The holders Esperance of Tunisia will play Zamalek of Egypt. Record eight-time winners Al-Atli of Egypt will host the 2016 champions Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa. And now Sundowns beat Al-Atli 5-1 on aggregate last season in the knockout stage. Intriguing tie. Raja Casablanca of Morocco hosts DR Congo's TP Mazembe, who've won it five times. Another Moroccan club, Widad Casablanca, the 2017 champions, will face Tunisia's Etoile du Sahel, who won it in 2007. The first legs will be played at the end of this month, and six of the eight teams in the quarterfinals are North African. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, the 2020 Futsal Africa Cup of Nations has been on in Morocco, the final on Friday with Morocco taking on Egypt. Now, Futsal is played on a hard court. It's smaller than a normal football pitch, uh, mainly indoors with two teams of five players each. The city of Lyon hosted Jalal Bonwa still with us in Morocco. He was at the tournament. Uh, tell us, Jalal, how much interest was there in the Futsal AFCON? Lyon is currently the African capital of futsal, uh, with the presence of strong teams including Libya, Equatorial Guinea, uh, Angola, Egypt, and of course Morocco, the title holders. So, in the last 10 days, we have seen a well-organized competition with good performance, technically and tactically speaking. We have seen beautiful goals and incredible talents. But above all, an amazing atmosphere here in Layoun in the south of Morocco. Right, and uh, how are the facilities? There are plenty of facilities provided uh, by the organizing committee here in Morocco for the participant teams and journalists attending the competition, even the fans of this beautiful sport. So, in Layoun, let me tell you that the facilities were world-class towards hosting a successful uh, tournament. Uh, the competition is hosted in two halls. Both of them uh, contain a high level of facilities that meet the international standards. Uh, there is also uh, a fan zone in Lyon with a giant screen for broadcasting different games. And also uh, there are different entertainment areas and facilities provided by the organizing committee. 
All sounds pretty impressive. Um, I must say there's not much interest in futsal here in Zimbabwe. Uh, it's hardly played at all. And only 10 teams enter the qualifiers for the 2020 Futsal Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, this was the sixth edition, Egypt winning three titles so far and Morocco and Libya one each. Oloshina Okaleji, our guest analyst this week in Lagos. Uh, Shina still with us. Uh, what do you think about uh, futsal, Shina? Well, Steve, we don't even have a futsal um, national team in Nigeria. The game is not popular here. I think it's what's traditionally called um, monkey post, which of course means mocking post in Nigeria, where you have um, five players, but the only difference is we don't have a goalkeeper. Five or four outfit players play in this game, mainly the indoor um, facilities played main indoor. And, you know, when many people wonder why the Brazilians and Spanish are so good technically at football. Um, I think it's because they're playing, they've been playing futsal for nearly a century. Um, it's a different way of playing football, like I said. It's designed uh, for people who are technically and tactically gifted. The close control, the way they dominate the football is absolutely spot on. You see clinical goals, some absolute belters in this form of football. I mean, the event in Morocco wasn't really available all over the continent. People didn't really um, understand it or see it unless you go, of course, to the CAF um, Twitter or social media accounts where you get to see action from Morocco. I think the disputed territory hosting the event as well created a form of news of its own than the competition itself. So I think going forward, if CAF really wants to spread this tournament um, across the continent, um, I think it's important to actually share enough information, try to create an opportunity for other member associations to take to this sport or understand how it's being played. I like it. I love it. I played mocking post as a boy and it's just another form of futsal, in my opinion. And that's what I think of futsal. <laughs> Interesting. No doubt about the benefits then, but a lot more needs to be done to popularise futsal around Africa. And uh, by the way, Sheena referring there to the host city, Laoun, being in disputed territory uh, in the Western Sahara, which is administered by Morocco, but with the Sahrawi Republic claiming it's their territory. Thanks very much to Olawashina Okaleji in Lagos in Nigeria. Let's go to social media now. And last week we asked what needs to be done at Manchester United. Looks like this will be another tough season for United, with many fans angry with the team's performance. Some are blaming the leadership, and some fans last week attacked the home of Executive Vice Chair Ed Woodward. Other supporters say that manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has still to prove himself, and some question the quality of the players. So we asked what do you think needs to be done at Manchester United? Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Well, thanks then, Steve, and we start today on Facebook. And in the Gambia, Mamadou Kesama says, The leadership is the problem. Ed Woodward has clearly stated that he's not that footballing genius who goes scouting players. No wonder we always lose our big targets. Solskjaer has to man up and tell the board what he wants. And Peter Vogel in Zambia takes that point further. The Glazer family and Ed Woodward are the problem because they're not willing to spend money on quality players. Just look at how we lost Erling Haaland, says Peter. And still on Facebook, Segor Banda, also in Zambia, says the greatest honour we can receive as United fans is to see whoever is responsible for appointments show Ed Woodward the exit door from the Theatre of Dreams. He's turned it into the Theatre of Nightmares. 
to Malawi now and Ayami Petro says I've been following Manchester United since I was young but due to this crisis I think there needs to be a change of leadership I've never seen such a bad season like this one and last year's maybe the problem is with the coaching staff says Ayami and Fabrice in Cameroon agrees the manager should be sacked says Fabrice he is highly inexperienced and the club is bigger than him to manage but Mohamed Aikinte in the Gambia believes the problem lies with the players. For me, the players are mostly average, says Mohamed. United should get rid of half the team and buy some quality players. To WhatsApp now, and Abdallah Jallo, also in the Gambia, believes the players should try harder. The majority of United's current players lack the determination to aim higher, says Abdallah. They seem to doubt each other's capabilities. But notwithstanding that, some of the players are not schooled enough to represent the club fully. James Olatunge Rob in Sierra Leone points the finger at United's coach. On my own take, says James, Solskjaer has to leave the club now before it's too late. As of now, we have no hope of reaching the Champions League. The weight of the club is just too heavy for him to handle. But Moinga Mayambolwa in Zambia thinks United should stick with their Norwegian coach. They should keep faith in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and back him to rebuild the squad. And with time, things should improve, says Moinga. Olatunde Akaleke in The Gambia agrees that United fans need to be patient. One simple thing needs to be done, says Olatunde, and that is to be patient in all the areas concerned, especially with the manager and the players. And Malang Sambu in Italy agrees. United are in a time of transition with a rebuilding process, says Malang, but I believe they will at least finish in the top four. And also the arrival of Bruno Fernandes from Sporting Lisbon is a morale booster. Well, yes, indeed, Malang, and uh, Fernandez made a good impression in his debut against Wolves at the weekend, but United still failed to score in what was a very drab nil-nil draw. Odipo Maurice is a United fan in Kenya. The problem at United has been the missing link between defence and attack, says Odipo. When Solskjaer arrived, the midfield partnership of Herrera and Matic worked and contributed to the matches that led to Ole's confirmation as the permanent manager. Since then, we've suffered unfortunate injuries to our key players. If we can manage that, well then the club will begin to stabilise. Another United fan, Bizwek Njakwa in Malawi, is in no doubt where the problems lie. My thinking is that the whole mess is because of Ed Woodward, says Biswek. When we had David Gill at the helm, we had no such issues. He had good scouts and could buy or promote talented players. But I wonder if Ed Woodward has got a real passion for the team and football. To answer the question, United needs to change his executive positions and bring in those with footballing ideas, says Biswek. Papa Jiwara in the Gambia says... Everything about Manchester United needs fixing, starting from the executive vice-chairman, down to the coach and the players. With the kind of players United has now, it will be impossible to compete at the highest level, says Papa. And finally, Alpha Jallo, also in the Gambia, agrees with Papa and suggests what some of those changes might be. 
The only thing I think should be done for United to regain those golden days is to replace Solskjaer with Pochettino and buy two big guns, the likes of Antoine Griezmann and Marco Verratti, says Alpha. So there you are, Steve. Plenty of suggestions there on how to improve the fortunes at Manchester United. For me, I think the biggest need for the club now is to be patient. But if that's the case, the question is for how long are the owners and the fans prepared to wait? Yes, it's been a long time and I certainly feel for Manchester United fans a difficult and frustrating times for them. Thanks, Adrian. Well, now more on the English Premier League because it is astonishing. It's ridiculous. It's extraordinary. Liverpool 22 points clear of Manchester City and they could be champions as early as the 21st of March, even earlier if Man City drop points. Stuart Weir joins us from the UK, our European football expert. And Stuart, Man City looking surprisingly below par. The loss to Tottenham was their sixth of the season and manager Pep Guardiola has never lost more than six games in an entire season. Yes, that defeat by Tottenham was interesting in a number of ways. After the game, Jose Mourinho, the Tottenham manager, was asked about his relationship with Pep Guardiola and he played down any talk of animosity, saying, oh, I used to work with them for three years at Barcelona. But it's interesting, you know, that Mourinho has beaten Guardiola with the four clubs that he managed. That is with Inter Milan, with Real Madrid, with Manchester United and now with Tottenham. But overall, it wasn't a bad performance by Manchester City. They missed a penalty when the score was nil-nil. And City, you know, have had problems with penalties this season. Gabriel Jesus has missed twice. Gundogan took Sunday's spot kick and his weak shot was saved. But that was the first one that he'd missed for City. But somehow the feeling is that Sergio Aguera is the City best penalty taker. He was on the pitch at the time, so why didn't he take the penalty? Steve... I really have to tell you about the penalty because it was a complete farce. The Ivorian Serge Aurier tackled Aguero and the referee said no foul. The ball went up to the other end of the pitch and two minutes later, VAR overruled the referee and awarded the penalty. Hugo Lloris saved the penalty, pushing the ball away. But as the ball was pushed away, Raheem Sterling tried to get it. The goalkeeper dived in front of Sterling, leaving City screaming for another penalty and the Tottenham bench arguing furiously that Sterling should get a yellow card for diving. The outcome was no foul and no yellow card. But TV replays did show that the penalty should have been retaken because Loris was well off his line. But that, of course, is an issue for the officials, not for VAR. City's cause was not helped when Zinchenko got a second yellow card for a cynical foul as Tottenham were breaking away. But that said, Manchester City had 18 attempts on goal and couldn't find the net with any of them. Guardiola was asked after the game, why that had happened and he replied I don't know if I did I would fix it but as you say City really don't look great at the moment you can't see they've got any chance of catching Liverpool and they're just hanging on to get one of the top four places and even that's not certain now the bottom of the table is equally interesting and there were winners and losers last weekend Bournemouth's 2-1 win over Aston Villa lifted them above Villa and out of the bottom three. Watford, under their new manager Nigel Pearson, looked in complete control against Everton, two up after 40 minutes. 
Then Everton's Colombian central defender, Yeri Mina, scored two goals in stoppage time at the end of the first half. And incidentally, that's only the second time in Premier League history that a player has scored twice in stoppage time. And despite having a player red carded, Everton went on to win that game 3-2. But Watford were not the only team at the bottom to squander a two-goal lead because West Ham led fellow strugglers Brighton 2-0 and 3-1. But the Seagulls came back to draw 3-3, leaving Brighton two points out of relegation, but West Ham dropping into the bottom three. Now, going back to the Tottenham Manchester City game, when Steven Bergwin the Dutch international that Tottenham signed from PSV in the transfer window scored Tottenham's first goal. It's impossible to say who looked happier, the player or the manager who had bought him. Arsenal drew nil-nil with Burnley, and that leaves Arsenal in 10th place. And Mikel Arteta's team have now only picked up eight points in seven games that he's been in charge. And only one manager in the past hundred years at Arsenal has started so badly. Yeah, the patience of Arsenal fans are really being tested right now. And uh, Stuart, what a start from Buana Samata, the first Tanzanian to play in the English Premier League, scoring on his debut for Aston Villa, although in a 2-1 defeat to Bournemouth. Yes, not only did he play, but he scored, as you say. And given that he played alongside Zimbabwe's marvellous Nkamba, that is the first time the two East Africans played for the same Premier League club. And I'm sure that Samata is completely unaware of that, but his goal made Tanzania the hundredth different nation from which a player has scored in the Premier League. And, you know, that statistic made me reflect a little bit on the distribution of African players. Samata is the 27th different African player to play in the Premier League this season. And those 27 come from 14 countries. Four from Senegal, four from Nigeria, three from Ghana and three from Ivory Coast. That means four countries make up really half the players. And the club with most Africans has been Liverpool with Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Naby Keter and Joel Matip. And interestingly, there have been seven clubs without an African player this season, including Manchester United, Manchester City and Chelsea. But if we go back through the history of the Premier League, I believe there have been 318 African players who've played in the Premier League, representing 31 countries. The biggest number has been Nigeria, 45, 37 from Senegal, 32 from Ivory Coast, 30 from Cameroon and 27 from Ghana. The other end of the scale, seven smaller countries have had one representative each in the Premier League. Central African Republic, Burkina Faso, Gambia, Angola, Kenya, Guinea-Bissau and now Tanzania. And of those 31 countries, all but four have contributed a goal to the Premier League. And the four still waiting for a goal to celebrate are Cape Verde, Guinea-Bissau, Central African Republic and Zambia. Now, Steve, I wonder if you know who was the first African to score a Premier League goal. It was Peter Nlovu, the Zimbabwean who scored for Coventry City way back in the 92-93 season, the first Premier League season. And that made Zimbabwe the first African country to get a Premier League goal. And now 28 years later, Samatha has put Tanzania on the map.
And of course, while this was his Premier League debut, Zamata had helped Villa earlier in the week to win their League Cup semi-final over Leicester City. And so he has a Wembley final to look forward to. Well, great stuff. And uh, yes, we're very proud here that Peter Ndlovu was the first African to score in the English Premier League. And Stuart, you've got a video assistant referee update for us. Steve, this season we've had 75 VAR interventions in 250 games. That's one every three games. We've seen 38 goals disallowed by VAR, but nine goals awarded. VAR has awarded 12 penalties, but has overruled the referee's decision to award a penalty four times. While VAR cannot rule on the goalkeeper coming off his line when a penalty is taken, it can rule on encroachment, and that has happened four times. We've seen five players awarded a red card, including Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, when the on-field referee did not think it was a red card, And equally, we've seen three players having a red card awarded by the referee downgraded. And the average time to take a decision is one minute, 31 seconds. Well, and uh, that's too long, uh, many fans feel. And no doubt the VAR has changed the way that we watch the English Premier League. Just four Premier League games on this weekend. There's a winter break staggered over two weekends. So Liverpool on a break this weekend, but Man City host West Ham. That's on Sunday. Other fixtures on Saturday. Everton playing Crystal Palace and Brighton take on Watford. That's a big relegation battle. And on Sunday, Sheffield United play Bournemouth. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from guest analyst Oluwashina Okaleji in Lagos, Nigeria, from Jalal Bonwa in Morocco, and Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production. <laughs>